Hi, this is the official podcast of Riverside International Church in Lisbon. Riverside is an international, contemporary, caring, and Christ-centered community. Our vision is to significantly impact the country of Portugal and the regions beyond with the gospel. Thank you for listening to us, and we hope that your life will be impacted by these teachings. God bless. Day in, day out, we would be at church, be with uh, our family in Christ, and it pains us. I think we can share this, uh, we all share this feeling that it, it gives us um, um, uh, some time to reflect on how valuable it is for us to be together as Christ's family. But um, as Pedro already said this morning, as Gabby said, we're so grateful for technology. We're so grateful to see that you're there. We can count you. We, can, we know exactly who's watching. We know exactly who's still asleep. But, um, <laughs> but, we, but, uh, but we know that many of them will um, also catch us later. They will watch um, the, the video later on Facebook. Um, this morning, we are only on Facebook. Facebook gives us a lot more freedom, uh, not only in terms of time. We don't have to, to cut the signal. We can do something that is straight. Um, and many of you have Facebook still. A lot more people have Facebook than Instagram as well. So um, just making a choice, we, we went with Facebook, just Facebook this morning. And hopefully, you all got the message throughout the week uh, that we would do so. Um, and uh, we've been praying, and uh, during the week, it's been so good to see everyone coming together in the church community, coming together on Zoom, and just praying, praying for one another, praying for the world. Um, we lived in such troubled times, so if you have uh, the possibility of joining us every day, except for Sunday, because it's at 9 a.m., but every day of the week at 7.30 p.m., we come together to, to pray, even if it's just 30 minutes, 40 minutes, it makes a big difference in our lives that we are serving Jesus together, that we are lifting each other up in prayer. Uh, and, and believe it or not, many times because we are with Jaden, there are things going around in the house. I'm not showing our video, but I'm listening to you and I hear you pray and it brings so much encouragement to my soul. And as I believe that, it also brings encouragement to you as well. So let's keep serving the Lord together. I don't know when this uh, virus outbreak ends, if we will continue to do something of this sort, but I really, really believe that we're going to miss having this opportunity every day, being together at the feet of Jesus. Um, and uh, as we came together this week praying, as um, I was seeking from the Lord on the character uh, that I was going to speak about. So we had, we planned this message series, Characters. I had, we had this idea of what would be the characters that we were going to speak about. Uh, but as the, this whole thing came to be, and uh, at the end, I didn't even know anymore which character God wanted me to speak about because things have completely changed. Um, but God really spoke to me um, to talk about a character that it made me really realize a lot of things about my own life. And I really uh, believe it's going to expose a lot of things that are inside of our hearts this morning. But, uh, but God gave me a passage in the book of Jeremiah 18. And this is where we want, I want to start. We're not going to talk about Jeremiah per se, but we're going to introduce this character that we're going to speak this morning uh, using this passage in Jeremiah 18. Uh, and we're going to start right in the beginning in verse 1. And the Bible says, The Lord spoke his word to Jeremiah. 
he said, Go to the potter's house. There I will give you my message. I went to the potter's house, and he was working there at his wheel. Whenever a clay pot he was working on was ruined, he would rework it into a new clay pot he wanted to make it. The Lord spoke his word to me. The Lord asked, Nation of Israel, can I do with you as this potter does with clay? Nation of Israel, you are like the clay in the potter's hands. So Jeremiah was watching this potter at work, and, and Jeremiah noticed this lump that was very uncooperative with the potter's hands, and it was failing to express the purpose, the idea, the design uh, that the potter had. But the potter, instead of giving up on the clay, he saw it as an opportunity to start again. And God was talking about the nation of Israel directly, but I believe it really describes the way that God works in our lives. We are like this piece of clay. God chose us even though we are fragile and we are flawed human beings. He brought us close to him so that he would, uh, with love, he would start this purpose of shaping us. And our imperfections, they don't catch God by surprise. He knows that we will naturally struggle to cooperate with him in, in the way that we live. And unfortunately, in this lifetime, we will not be able to see the full work of the potter uh, in our hearts and lives. But as we realize our imperfections and our flaws, we, chose not to fo we choose not to focus on them, but we focus on God's faithfulness. Because you see, God does not abandon the clay. God does not abandon us when we show our imperfections. And right now, a lot of people are uh, focusing on how human beings have failed on God. On even how this outbreak is proof that God is angry at us. But let, me, let us think together for a second. And um, let me ask you, if God's actions and feelings towards us were based on our, on, our, on our behavior, on our collective behavior, he would simply be angry at us the whole time. We would not be able to experience even a single drop of God's goodness. None of us is able to please God. None of us is able uh, to please God with all our lives. We are not worthy of God. God does not treat us as our failures deserve. Instead, he wants to show us that he is simply at work. When we realize our brokenness and our struggle, he wants us to remember that he is at work the same way that the potter is at work with the clay. When we reach moments of crisis personally or collectively in these circumstances, we just need to remember that God is at work. And just as the potter is not giving up on the clay, God is not giving up on you and me. And from the beginning, the church has endured some of the hardest times in history. From just from the time that Jesus came and, and went back to heaven until today, we, it's not possible for us to count how many plagues, earthquakes, famines, but also many man-provoked events like war, colonization, 
slavery, first and second world war. And these man-provoked events were more harmful, were, were even more deadly than the natural catastrophes that we just mentioned. And through each and every one of these hard times, the mandate of the church is one. And it's still the same. To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son for that everyone who believes in Him may not die, but have eternal life. This is the message. So my dear brothers and sisters, on the other side of my phone, and, and those of you who are here, in a moment such as this, God didn't call us to judge the world. He didn't call, call us to proclaim an angry God, a God that is, e that is eagerly punishing us for our wrongdoings. He is calling us to proclaim the gospel, the message of God's infinite grace and mercy to be messengers of God's love and peace to all who right now are hopeless and helpless. He is calling us to bring close everyone who is far away from Him. He called us to show love to the point of giving our lives for the sake of others. And this is the mandate of the church in hard times. But very honestly, and we need to be honest, we tend to fail at all of this. A moment of crisis, a moment of brokenness exposes our inabilities and vulnerabilities. But today I hope that God will open our spiritual eyes to see these, these events as opportunities for the potter to make things new in our lives according to His perfect will. Because we are like clay in the hands of our uh, amazing potter. So this illustration that God gave to Jeremiah applies perfectly to the character that we're going to speak this morning. Uh, and we're going to talk about Simon Peter. Now, I think we all know who Peter was. He was a disciple, an apostle of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we are introduced to him in the Gospels. And we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And the Bible says, One day Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people crowded around him as they listened to God's word. Jesus saw two boats on the shore. The fishermen had stepped out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus got into the boat that belonged to Simon and asked him to push a little from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. When he finished speaking, he told Simon, take the boat into deep water and lower your nets to catch some fish. Simon answered, teacher, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll lower the nets. The next. Thank you. After the men had done this, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Their partners came and filled both boats until the boats nearly sank. When Simon Peter saw this, he knelt in front of Jesus and said, 
Leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful person. Simon and everyone who was with him were amazed to see the large number of fish they had caught. James and John, who were Zebedee's sons and Simon's partners, were also amazed. Jesus told Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people instead of fish. Simon and his partners brought the boats to shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. So Jesus met Peter very early in his ministry, right at the beginning. And we can read that Peter was just this humble fisherman. He didn't have much going on, uh, going for him in life. And not only that, but by the way that he responded to Jesus, he was fully aware of his condition as a sinful man. Because based on all the times that he lied, he cheated, stole, cursed, betrayed, he understood that he didn't deserve anything good from God. But when Jesus showed him so much grace, so much kindness, Peter was overwhelmed and he broke. He was on his knees before the goodness of God. And this is the power very simply put, this is the power of a relationship with Jesus. He finds us where we are. He finds us in our unworthiness. Not to leave us where we are, but he invites us to the potter's wheel. He wants to start a good work in our lives. And today Jesus shows us the same love and acceptance that he showed to Peter. We can also receive this new hope. This new opportunity of a new life. And even today if we stand at the potter's wheel. And I, we can recall the, the day when Jesus came in, into our lives. When we heard his voice. His invitation to follow him. And, and now we, we feel privileged because we are walking with Jesus. We are following him. We recognize his voice. He is the one that we desire the most. But this simply means that we are at this potter's wheel. And we are still humbled by the fact that we are unworthy of Him. We still remain on our knees before the goodness of God. The goodness that God is showing us day after day. And we understand that we are only on this wheel because of His love. Because of God's grace that is following us every single day of our lives. So straight away, Paul left, uh, Peter left his nets. And as we read, we, we can really feel uh, the passion that uh, was in Peter's heart as he started to follow Jesus. But his journey with Jesus was just getting started and God had so much uh, more that he intended to do in Peter's life. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 16 and starting in verse uh, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They answered, Some say you are John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. 
No human revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. You are Peter, and I can guarantee that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. So along his journey with Jesus, Peter's heart was ready to receive this incredible revelation from God that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, is the Son of the living God. And because of this, Jesus called Peter blessed. And he was, in fact, blessed. His eyes were finally opened to see the fulfillment of God's promises, of God's plan to rescue mankind. Jesus also said he would use Peter as a rock to build his church, this family that you and I belong to. And Peter was growing so much as a disciple. But still, Peter couldn't help but show his problems, his issues. And just a few verses later, this is what happens, starting in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to inform his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem. There he would have to suffer a lot because of the leaders, the chief priests, and the experts in, the, in Moses' teachings. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be brought back to life. Peter took him aside and objected to this. He said, Heaven forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get out of my way, Satan. You are tempting me to sin. You aren't thinking the way God thinks, but the way humans think. Then Jesus said to all of his disciples, Those who want to come with me must say no to the things they want, pick up their crosses, and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for me will find them. So when Jesus showed Peter how hard this journey was going to be, Peter was ready to take the easy way out. Following Jesus in his mind wasn't supposed to be this hard and unpleasant. So he told Jesus, This must never happen. God forbid you have the power to make sufferings end. So please just make this go away. And Jesus identified Satan in Peter's reason. And I just bet that this was very, very hard to hear. In one moment, Peter was able to listen to the voice of God, the voice of the Father. And so quickly he fell into Satan's lies. A trap that so many Christians are still falling today. And I'm going to open my heart to you and... I have to admit, I am astonished with the amount of people who in these, especially these last decades, have twisted the gospel and God's word to make Christian life look like a journey with no sufferings involved. If people think that Jesus came to be an easy way out for our, all our problems and sufferings, a way, easy way out for us to escape the sufferings of life, I invite you to think again. To this wrong idea, Jesus simply answered, following me means picking up your cross daily. 
it means that there's going to be suffering every single day. Being at the potter's wheel is not going to feel pleasant all the time. We're not living to save our lives, as Jesus said. If that's our motivation to save our lives, to feel comfort, to feel safe, then the, Jesus is saying that we're going to lose our lives. And Paul said in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to fit for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Telling others the good news comes with a price. And throughout history, many Christians were persecuted and killed for telling others the good news. And Peter was one of them. Paul was one of them. Many got sick, tired, beaten, tortured, naked, hungry, so that others could listen to the good news of the gospel and enter the kingdom of God. Still today, 11 Christians every day die because of their faith. Because of following Jesus, 11 Christians every day. So many are giving their lives to help the poor, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed, the slaves, the sick, and even the imprisoned. Bringing God's love to a suffering world. So now I beg of you, as a brother in Christ, in light of God's word and the testimonies throughout these 2,000 years of church, do not use the name of Jesus as a guarantee of a healthy, wealthy, comfortable life. On this earth, mainly. Jesus came for us not to die, but have eternal life. That is the purpose of his coming, to give us eternal life, a life that will never end in the presence of God in heaven. He didn't promise us an easy life here, he told us that one day we will be in heaven where he's going to take away every tear, where he's going to take away the suffering and the pain that we feel as we live and serve God forever in heaven. But in our journey here on earth, we don't have a promise of a comfortable life. We will experience, yes, the goodness of God, his grace, His kindness, His faithfulness, His provision, yes, we will. But it's not guaranteed. We will have to suffer because of the gospel. The gospel didn't come for us to have a comfortable life, but for us to give our lives for the sake of others. And even Peter had to learn this lesson. He had to learn that he had a cross to bear. And that cross means sharing the good news about the wonderful grace of God, even at the cost of his own life. And for three years, Peter was following Jesus. For three years, Peter was in a very special way in God's potter's wheel. He was able to listen to God and recognize his voice and his work 
But God still knew everything about him. God still knew that he had things that he needed to change. Things that Peter wasn't even aware of. And we get to this passage in John chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. Jesus got up from the table, removed, removed his outer clothes, took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that he had tied around his waist. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered Peter, you don't know what I'm doing. You will understand later. Peter told Jesus, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied to Peter, If I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. And when the clay is at the wheel, the clay is not in control. The potter is. Jesus is the one that told Jesus promptly, You don't know what I'm doing. You will understand it later. Peter, you have to trust. That I know what I am doing. This is not meant to harm you, but to bless you. Trust me. Because if you don't allow me to do things my way, then I am not your Lord. A few moments later in Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will abandon me tonight. Scripture says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep in the flock will be scattered. But after I am brought back to life, I will go to Galilee, Galilee ahead of you. Peter said to him, even if everyone else abandons you, I never will. Jesus replied to Peter, I can guarantee this truth. Before a rooster crows tonight, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter told him, even if I have to die with you, I'll never say that I don't know you. Jesus was able to see right into Peter's heart. After three years following Jesus, Peter still struggled immensely with pride. He wanted to be in control. He was still relying on his own strength and understanding of things. And what some people consider strong points about our characters, our personalities, those can actually be our spiritual weaknesses. So let's go back to the image of the potter. Once the potter found that imperfection on the clay, he didn't give up on it. He kept the clay on the wheel. Jesus had all the reasons to give up on Peter. But he didn't. God is not put down on what is inside of a person because he knows how to change what is inside a person. And unlike us, he knows how to deal with our flaws. He knows how to lead us to a change of heart and mind. He remains focused on the finished work that only him can achieve. Later we read in Luke 22. So they arrested Jesus and led him away to the chief priest's house. 
Peter followed at a distance. Some men had lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard. As they sat together, Peter sat among them. A female servant saw him as he sat facing the glow of the fire. She stared at him and said, This man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it by saying, I don't know him, woman. A little later, someone else saw Peter and said, You are one of them. But Peter said, Not me. About an hour later, another person insisted, It's obvious that this man was with him. He's a Galilean. But Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. Just then, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked directly at Peter. Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Before a rooster crows today, you will say three times that you don't know me. Then Peter went outside and cried bitterly. In just this moment, all of Peter's flaws were exposed. Every little bit of pride, every little bit of selfishness and arrogance. And the Bible says that Peter cried bitterly in this painful moment. But I believe a moment of brokenness can be a gift. A moment of brokenness is a gift. It's a sign that we are still at the potter's wheel. All sufferings, even the ones that we cause to ourselves, are still an opportunity for God to remove the impurity that lies within us. God is working to strip from our lives all the wrong things that we are still relying on so that we will learn to rely only on Him. We're not robots. So we cannot expect this to be painless. We cannot expect the work that God is doing in our lives to feel pleasant all the time. Don't forget, Jesus told Peter that he was going to fail. God is never off guard by our failures. He knows exactly what we're made of. When he chose to start a good work in our lives, he knew exactly how you would find yourself today, right now, this morning. And nothing you are feeling Nothing you are going through right now is able to separate you from God's love that is in Christ Jesus. Keep following Him wholeheartedly. Because the Bible promises us He will finish the good work that He started in you. It doesn't feel like it. As I'm sure that Peter didn't feel the greatest person ever at that moment. But take your pain, take your flaws, take your failures to the presence of God and allow Him to work in your brokenness, in your need of Him. And after that night, Peter was not the same anymore. And that is the power of brokenness. It never leaves you the same. The Peter you read about in the the rest of the New Testament is not the same person you read in the Gospels. In the book of Acts chapter 4, 
verses 8 to 13. Then Peter, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and leaders of the people, you crucified Jesus Christ, but God has brought him back to life. He is the stone that the builders rejected, the stone that has become the cornerstone. No one else can save us. Indeed, we can be saved only by the power of the one named Jesus and not by any other person. After they found out that Peter and John had no education or special training, they were surprised to see how boldly they spoke. They realized that these men had been with Jesus. So this wasn't the old Peter speaking. It was the new Peter, the broken Peter, the Peter who had been with Jesus. You couldn't see much of Jesus uh, before in Peter's life, but now you can definitely see him. After his brokenness, everyone could see the work that Jesus had done in his heart. He said, we can be saved only by the power of the one named Jesus. He wasn't just declaring something from the top of his head. This was his own experience. We can only be saved by Jesus. Because he is the potter. He is the one that has his, our lives in the palm of his hands. Peter was a changed person. Peter had a new heart. He had a changed mind. A new speech. And this new Peter was going to be used by God in a mighty way. And for us to be used by God, we also have to change. God is still changing us. We are far from perfect. We have too many flaws to count. And I include myself in this. And I believe that if you are honest about your own life, you know and you recognize your own flaws as Peter is able to recognize how he was. We are grateful to God that we are at the potter's wheel. We're grateful for a God that does not abandon us when we show our weaknesses. We are grateful for a God that is, is determined to finish the good work that he started in our hearts and lives. And the same way that he was able to work in such a hard heart as Peter's, God is powerful enough to change you and me. God is powerful enough to use us, even in our brokenness, even in our unworthiness. We just have to look at the potter's hands and believe that he is still at work. We're going to close with a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. And this is a letter that Peter wrote later on in his life, many years, probably decades after all of this happened. So it's a Peter writing at the end of his life, at the end of his journey with God, about the lessons, about the things that he was able to live with God. And he says the following to us, his church, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand 
You see this man that was so filled with pride all the time. This man who couldn't even take a word that came out of Jesus' mouth. A man that was so stubborn to accept what God wanted to do. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And Peter, better than anyone, he knew what it meant to listen to the voice of the enemy. He knew how it was to give in to this roaring lion. This that is surrounding us, whispering us lies, things that will Take us away from God's perfect plan for our lives. But he's telling us, remember, you have to resist him. Because at one point, I wasn't able to resist. But we have to keep resisting. Because he's never going to stop trying. We're going to suffer. These circumstances that he brings also to this world, the things that are going around are happening to the whole church. We're not immune to sufferings. And the church is still suffering all around the world. The things you experience, the temptations, all of your failures, everyone else experiences them as well. But the God of all grace, who called, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This God that called you a God of all grace. A God that even though you're not perfect, He still loves you. He's never going to abandon you or forsake you. Even if you have to suffer a little while. These sufferings that have an eternal glory. That are fulfilling such an important purpose in your heart and life. God himself will restore you. Even if you get broken at the potter's wheel, God is still there to restore you. And he promises you. He promises me. He is making us strong. He is making us firm and steadfast, prepared to resist the, ne the next wave of suffering. God is working in our lives. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As we, we close with this passage, with this beautiful promise, I hope that you understand the heart that said all of these things. Someone that was just like you and me. Someone that wasn't perfect. Someone that was broken time and time again because he had to be broken. When we realize the work of our Father in heaven in our hearts and lives, when we understand the purpose of brokenness, the purpose of sufferings, the purpose of hardships, we have to remember 
that God is in control. That we are still on the potter's wheel. That he is at work in our hearts and lives. And not just for us to live for ourselves, but for us to keep on proclaiming the good news of the wonderful grace of God. We have good news to share with the world. We have good news to share with a suffering world. And obviously, go out of your way to do good. The best that you can do for the sake of others. Pastor Eddie this week to comfort someone who lost a loved one. He got out of his way because he saw the pain. And he couldn't help but go and hug. Go and kiss. Go in comfort. And while may, many may say, oh, that's wrong because that person is prob probably also has coronavirus. It doesn't matter. Because if it's to do good and to show the goodness of God, to show the glory of God, we will go out of our way, even putting our lives at risk so that others may experience the goodness of God. Now, we don't have to to go mindlessly and not protect ourselves against the virus, do so. Because that way you're also honoring God. You're honoring your family. You're protecting those that you love. Right now we're not gathering as a community of believers because we want, we're not looking just for what is good to my life. We're looking out for the good of others. We want you to be safe. We want you to live more years to experience the goodness of God and to proclaim the good news. And there is wisdom in that. And we're, we, are, we are grateful that God allowed us to protect ourselves before a major catastrophe in our country. Even. But even at a time such as this, do not forget the reason why God has called you. We're called to proclaim good news. Good news of a merciful God. Good news of a wonderful God. Take every opportunity you have. Ask God for those opportunities as well. May we be a blessing to one another. May we encourage one another to live out the message that saved our hearts and lives. The message that is still making a difference in this world. And as you listen to all the news and everything that is going on with the virus, I hope that you are also able to listen so many good things that are happening with the church in the world that God is doing even because of this virus. Because God is at work. He never stopped. He will never stop until the day Jesus comes back to get us. We will proclaim the goodness of God. And God has so much goodness awaiting those who are eagerly waiting to hear the, the message of the gospel. So let's keep praying. Let's keep proclaiming and believing in the goodness of God for this generation. I've asked Pedro and Jamil to sing this song, Potter's Hand. It's an older song. So if you're there serving Jesus for, for more than 25 years now, you're going to love this song with me.
Those of you who are young, this is a, this is a classic. We love this song, Pod the Potter's Hen. But as we sing, let us make this our prayer based in this passage of 1 Peter. Let us surrender our hearts and lives to the wonderful God that is at work in our hearts and lives. Amen. We hope that God has touched your heart with the message that he wants to tell us. If you would like to be updated with the things that are happening in our church, you will follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Riverside Lisbon. Thank you for listening.